From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Glad to have you with us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, Bud, uh, good to have you back for another edition. we got a uh, few things to discuss today and another deep dive coming up. Here we go with budgets again. You know me, I've got to get my budget. This is my like Christmas time for me with all these budgets yeah. going on. <laughs> Uh, well, on this edition, uh, we've just come off the uh, August LIBA luncheon, had a good presentation on a potential downtown convention center. Um, KLIN's uh, got some coverage of that. We might go into that in deep de- detail uh, after this next uh, feasibility study because the one that they discussed was a little older. But uh, we also uh, got to find out uh, LIBA's got a few new members at that luncheon. Yeah, it's always nice when we can announce that we've got new members coming in. And, you know, that convention center topic is really a good one, and I agree we'll have a a discussion on that further. And one of the cool things that came out of that luncheon is they've already invited me to be involved in the process. So I'll hopefully have some good information we can continue to share moving forward as they look at uh, potential convention center, which I think is a good opportunity for the city to be taking a look at that and for our community. So... Uh, but our luncheon, we had some new members. We got a couple of nonprofit members, Chariots for Hope and Mosaic, um, and then Top Tier Landscaping and Mesa Medical Transport Solutions. So yeah, we welcome them to LIBA. It's great to have them. They become very active and involved uh, with our organization. So we're glad to see them just jumping right in and, and joining us and being involved. A few weeks ago, uh, we talked in depth and went deep dive on the LPS budget, but you've gotten some feedback on that whole budget process, and we both talked about the uh, transparency of that process, but you got some interesting feedback. Yeah, it was kind of, it's fun. I enjoy it when people call and say, hey, I listen to your podcast, <laughs> and, and it's not my wife, kids, or family members, you know, um, but I had somebody that's been intimately involved in uh, LPS in the past and called and said, hey, I just listened to your podcast about the LPS budget. <laughs> there was a deep pause on my side thinking, uh-oh, what did I do and am I in trouble? But he said that historically the board had the, – the budget process for LPS had been very – I will call it closed. You know, basically the the board would get the budget a couple weeks ahead of the the budget hearing and, you know, it was just like a – almost like a rubber stamp process. And so Liba had raised some concerns and Liba brought forward some concerns about what about this? How do we do that? Those types of questions, not, not, not not in an adversarial manner, but just like, Hey, if we're the taxpayers, we'd like to know what's happening with our money. And so there were a lot of meetings and conversations that happened. And over the course of, I'm going to say probably the last 10 to 15 years, that budget has become so much more transparent, and it's really been a driver of LIBA, and it was driven by LIBA, and which predates my history with the organization. And I thought that was awesome to hear what an impact we have. And we talked in here on a previous episode, Mark, about those regular conversations with our elected officials, not in a big public forum, but more in a one-on-one to have 
you know, discussion on issues that are coming up or ask questions and try to gather information. And and this is this is a good example of the evolution of those meetings and those conversations and being able to to sit down with our elected officials. And my comment to the the gentleman that called me, I said, well, no wonder I like that budget process <laughs> so much, uh, you know, since it was from Liba. So we really appreciate the feedback from the listeners and when we can get some follow-up like that, I, I think it's a great great opportunity to hear more from the people that are listening to the podcast. I know you like to uh, hear from people that not only listen to this podcast, but that are aware of LIBA, but anything in the community that, that might affect business or government, uh, what's the best way to, to reach you? Lots of topics out there. They can call the office at 402-466-3419, or they can shoot me an email at bud at org. And that LIBA is L-I-B-A for Lincoln Independent Business Association, just L-I-B-A dot O-R-G. Correct. We love hearing from our listeners and we love the feedback. And if there's a topic coming up that you think we need to look at, give us a call. We're happy to deep dive or, you know, give information and share information. Interesting uh, article recently. I know it's made a couple of the national publications. I heard about it on uh, one of our early morning news segments. Uh, And... It's a kind of a phenomenon um, that is seems to be poking its head uh, out of the sand a little bit, and it's quite commonly referred to as quiet quitting. And something, I don't want to call it a phenomenon, but a realization that the workforce, and we've talked a lot about the workforce shortage and the workforce issues, but this one's a kind of came out of the blue for me, and you did a little more uh, research into it and found some some additional information. Yeah, I was what, actually... What basically is quiet quitting? Well, I read that article, and I, I'm fascinated, and I read the Wall Street Journal every day, and this article happened to come up here, I think it was last weekend, and I see this quiet quitting, and I'm like, okay, I wonder what this is, and I wonder what the workforce impact is, and... Essentially, in very basic layman terms, it's they're still employed and they're still coming to work and they're still collecting a paycheck. Essentially, they've kind of, I will call it checked out, and they've kind of really quit their job, but they're just sticking around to grab the paycheck and, and keep doing those things. And I just thought, you know, we've been talking about workforce on this podcast and the things that people are trying to do to to retain employees or recruit employees. And this is one of those, it's a little bit of recruitment and a little bit of retention. And it's like recruiting the people you already have and making sure that they're highly engaged because when they, when they've checked out, are they really doing a service to your organization, whether you're in hospitality or manufacturing or construction or, you know, basic office tasks if when those people have checked out what's the net impact on your business well one of the things that i heard that was interesting that may have uh, gone down the line of even exacerbating this or finding it more difficult to realize that someone in your organization has quit quietly or quiet quitting is the work from home option because out of sight out of mind and it's a little bit easier for someone to quietly quit just kind of as you said check out when they're working from home, either full-time or part-time. Um, that's, that was another factor that 
you got to consider. In this. Yeah, and we, you know, we talked on one of the previous episodes about getting people back in the office because of the synergies that are built and 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 those kind of opportunities for people to look each other in the eye and exchange ideas and instead of sending an email waiting for somebody to respond, like really getting after it. So when they're working from home again, are they walking the dog? Are they doing their laundry? Are they searching for another job? Are they, you know, whatever it might be. So it'll be it'll be something to watch. And I think it's a good one for our business owners just to have this at the top of your mind and and think about what are the ways you're recruiting. And when I worked at Nebraska at the university in the athletic department, I remember I, I knew Coach Childress and Coach Van Horn really well. And Coach Childress and I were having a conversation one time about the difficulties of baseball recruiting. And being an old baseball coach, I appreciated the conversation. And he said, you know, every year after the draft, you almost have to recruit your guys again. So what are you doing throughout that time to recruit them back? And I think this is really applicable when we think about quiet quitting. Ken Blanchard's got a book out several years ago called Gung Ho. And it's a great book. I really enjoyed it. Uh, But there's a line in there where the plant manager who's been given this very, very bad plant with a bad executive team and all of that, uh, she makes a comment when she calls all her uh, department heads or division uh, vice presidents in because of the malaise that she was seeing in them. And uh, she says, by the way, if you're quitting, then leave because the days of quitting and staying are over. Well, and I think that's something that our business owners are going to have to face. And yeah. it's it's a reality. And so I know a lot of people are getting into more employee engagement surveys and conversations to try to identify those. Something that we'll just have to watch with our business owners, see where it goes. We'll, uh, we'll keep that on our watch list. Yes, absolutely. We've got quite a watch list. We do. One thing that came out of the uh, legislature uh, forcing uh, governmental entities to be a little more transparent in their process on increasing taxes. And now we're going to see some issues uh, come right into your mailbox. Can you give me kind of an update on that? Well, and I'm going to give you just kind of the <laughs> the layman's terms, but essentially Senator Ben Hansen of Blair uh, passed a law in the legislature, got signed into law, and they called it the Truth in Taxation Law. And what it is is if the counties, to make the counties or political subdivisions think a little bit harder about raising taxes, due to the fact when they do, every constituent in the community will get direct and blunt notification of their decision, they're going to be sending out a postcard. And then I believe there's even a follow-up where they have to follow up with a town hall. And so this is something um, I'm hearing that we might be receiving one of these postcards. And I think it's important for the taxpayer to pay attention to those things. We've talked about the importance of paying attention. And that's why Lieb is here for our business owners is to pay attention to what's coming so I think there's going to be some town halls coming from the county, uh, and we'll need to make sure that people get out there and really invest the time to engage with their elected officials. I'm hearing rumors, and I can't confirm it yet. I'm, I'm hearing talk that our levy may increase on the county property tax this year. So something to watch for. We're going to be we're watching on it. We're we're going to take take good pay attention, and then. We'll, we'll make sure we're communicating it to our members and to our listeners. Would this uh, 
be something that would be required of every taxing entity then? I mean, we've got all these different... The ones that collect the property tax, when they raise the levy, they have to have a public comment. So in in that case, in in the Lincoln-Lancaster County area, you could get a notice from Southeast Community College, from uh, one of the uh, uh, conservation districts, anything that's on that property tax? LPS, NRD, the city, the county, the airport authority... All of these different uh, political subdivisions that have uh, p- property tax authority. We'll see how far it goes and, and what it does, but uh, it is certainly notification and uh, first uh, a step in the right direction when it comes to being transparent. Well, I think the property owners are going to see this when that levy goes up, and it might raise some eyebrows, and you know maybe it maybe it means more people are going to engage with their political subdivisions and make comment. Maybe it means more people are going to consider running for office and paying attention to those things and and make sure we know what's happening in our community. Need to take a quick break and then get into your favorite deep dive and budget. I'm excited for it. Those are, is there a plus sign between deep dive and budget that just brings out this smile in you? Something like that. It's right there on the script. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, a word from uh, Currency. Do you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, or other equipment for your business? Well, Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, other big-ticket items. And whether you're replacing old machines, expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure and free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment and financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, doing business as currency. Pursuant to CFL License 60DBO-54873. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen. Time to go deep, deep dive into the budget. This edition of the Lincoln Business Beat, Bud Seinhorst, the President and CEO of LIBA, went deep into the county budget, Lancaster County. There's budget hearing coming up August 23rd at 8:30, and the county budget has to be adopted by September 30th. So we've got uh, just give you a little bit of timeline, but you've gone into the initial proposal pretty deep. What are you seeing? Yeah, you know what we do with. LPS, with the city, with the county, is we have a group of volunteers, and and 
we love the people in our organization that are willing to invest the time to help. We go through and we spend some time on the budget. We meet with the city, the county, the schools to talk about the budget and what what's coming up. What are the things uh you know, sometimes you have to look a little bit more than just what's the, the total projected revenue every year and, and and total projected expenditures and what does that mean and and how that works. So we, we, we invest a lot of time so that we can go out and make those public comments and test provide testimony. And there's just some interesting things that we found this year that we weren't aware of. And, you know, the more conversation you have, the more you learn. So... The county budget, which when you think about the county, we're talking about the county corrections. We're talking about the sheriff's office. We're talking about, you know, all the uh, assessor's office, the election commission, the uh, county engineer. There's a lot of different offices. And one of the things that I think is really unique about the way the county works is we have our five county commissioners who are each elected from a district. And... We have a, a lot of other department heads that are publicly elected. County clerk, county assessor, county attorney, county, county engineer, county treasurer. county treasurer. All of these are county offices and they're elected positions, yet their budget is set by the county commissioners, which is a little different, right? I mean, oh, yeah. in I the city, if you think about the city, you have the mayor proposes a budget the city council, both are elected, right? Those those two are elected, and they work through the budget process, and then the council approves or doesn't the mayor's budget, and the mayor can veto, and there's a process to go back and forth with that. So that's a really cut-and-dry process when you're being represented by both the person who's elected to be mayor and also the folks who are on the city council. Now, Four of our city council members are elected by district, and three of them are elected citywide. So we've got some representation on the council. So arguably, every citizen in the city of Lincoln can state that they're represented by four members of the city council. That's a pretty cut and dry process. So now we elect, let's just use the county attorney. We'll just use that as one example. So the county attorney's elected presents a budget to the county board, the county commissioners, and then the county commissioners basically get the authority to say yes or no. But the elected representative as county attorney doesn't have the ability to appeal or veto or what have you. So it's a really unique way that our budgets are set. So that's kind of the first and foremost interesting thing as we think about the budgets. Um, when we look at the county, a lot of the things that they're doing infrastructure-wise are outside the city limits. So we're talking about county roads and bridges. And I know uh, Engineer Dingman has been on KLIN several times and made presentations to LIBA about, we call it the, I joke with Pam about, it's the bridges of Lancaster County. <laughs> and and what happens with those and the infrastructure needs. And so we, we sit with them and we talk about that. One of the interesting topics that flowed through was there's $2 million going into the public defender's office, which is to help pay for 
cases that the public defender farms out to attorneys outside of the public defender's office. Here's what's fascinating about this process is the those attorneys were being paid $75, and now in this next budget, they're going to be paid $125 an hour. So it's about a two-thirds increase, right? About a 67% increase in that hourly wage. And so I went, okay, so we're increasing it by $2 million, and we're increasing it by $50 an hour. That's 40,000 hours that we're farming out, or 40,000 hours that we're farming out, essentially, roughly. That's a lot of hours. Think about that. That's 1,040-hour weeks uh, over the course of a year. Now, here's what else we found out. The public defender pay is set by the judges. Hmm. Unelected. No... And there's no veto power by the county attorney or by the county board or anyone else. So it's an unfunded mandate, basically, from the judges. We do get to vote on judicial retention, which is something. <laughs> maybe that's another topic for another day. Those are just some intricacies that you find out about the budget. And you know, there was a recommendation from, I believe, the county budget office as well as the commissioners to maybe phase in this increase in the hourly rate that's paid uh, out by the public defender's office. And the judges said, no, we're going to move it to this. And so, you know, one of, that's one of those things where as a taxpayer, yeah, we're talking about $2 million in a multi, you know, couple hundred million dollar budget. However, you find 2 million here and 3 million there and 2 million there. And all of a sudden at some point we're talking about real money. Right. And so that's, that's something that we, kind of came through a large part of what the county does is there's a lot of uh, money paid out in salaries. Their union contracts increased by $4.7 million. Uh, there was a negotiation with the sheriff's deputies uh, to increase their pay. And we talked about that recently in here with corrections department and, and, and sheriff officers and things where the state did all these raises and bonuses now the county has to respond in order to retain their employees. So you're seeing a circle of all the things that we talk about in here, Mark, where when this happens over here, what the impact is, whether it's in business or government. So those are a few things that, that we found out. Um, there's been money that's been set aside in the county budget uh, for land acquisition for a future East Beltway. Glad to see that we're thinking that way. Um, however, that fund has only got about three and a half million dollars in it. That won't it's buy good. much land. It's not going to buy much land and not very many miles to get from the South Beltway to Waverly to the I-80 interchange. Um, Let me ask one question in yeah. here. Uh, is this budget process this year uh, tougher because of we've had a lot of CARES Act and ARPA funding coming in? Is Has that made the analysis more difficult as we've looked comparatively speaking or is has that all been taken care of uh and separately now that money it's a great question because that was some of the questions we were asking and that money is actually set aside separately because it can't be just commingled into the general fund of the county uh for different projects and so they have allocated that money separately 
for instance, one of the project is they're going to be there's going to be a build out of broadband uh, throughout the county, which is a nice one time investment of infrastructure, so that we can you know have of that. They've that's so that's where some of that CARES Act money's gone. Uh, they've reimbursed uh, for some different things for projects that really dealt with the CARES Act and, and the ARPA funds and those types of things. So, so we're we're really on an apples to apples when it yeah. comes to studying the or reviewing the budget itself yes. compared back to actual. And that's actually budgets. been with all the political subdivisions, not just the county. So they've allocated. So it's not like because they got a hundred million dollars from ARPA or CARES Act that they're their budget jumped up a hundred million dollars. Their budget is their budget, which is I'll just call the daily op- ongoing operational costs, and the ARPA money has been allocated separately. So, um, you know, they put some money into infrastructure for box culverts. If you ever want to see somebody light up more talking about box culverts <laughs> than I do about budgets, we'll we'll get the county engineer in here, uh, and she can talk about bulk box culverts and all those types of things. So. You know, and now the county's for the first time having to deal with this uh, postcard that Senator Hansen that we mentioned previously on the Truth and Taxation Act. So the budget hearing again is next Tuesday, August 23rd at 8.30 a.m. Uh, the budget's scheduled for adoption on September 30th. And then that public hearing for city, schools, community colleges, and counties is September 22nd at 6.30 p.m. Uh, with those postcards that we talked about mailing out. So we'll we'll keep keep our listeners posted. We'll make sure we keep our... Uh, we also keep our members posted on what's happening with that. Because if, if that is going to happen, we really need to step up and get out there and, and engage with our public officials. A couple of quick follow-ups. Uh, public safety, of course, uh, was... We've mentioned that in several of our podcasts, uh, Lincoln and the Lincoln Police Unit Union uh, recently agreed to a new uh, two-year contract, the uh, highest paid police in the state. Uh, you mentioned uh, how the sheriff's uh, department has had to, you know, become more competitive. But in the the big scheme of things, uh, I don't remember how many weeks ago, you talked about the number of the FTEs, full-time equivalent positions that the city was adding in their budget. How does the county stack up on that as we look forward? What are they proposing? Well, the the one thing that's interesting to me is there's five FTE increase, essentially, at the county um, when you compare to about 70 at the city. The the two that the, – the, and there's two areas. Number one is for uh, a crisis center RN. That's an FTE. And then there's four FTEs being added into the county engineer's budget. The good news about the county engineer's budget is they've had, they have contracted with several engineers uh, on an outside contract basis. And what they've done is take that money and pool that money to be able to add these four engineering positions, which gives... Pam Dingman, our county engineer, the a better opportunity to engineer those projects in-house and have those people that can be good employees. So I appreciate uh, the county engineer and her resourcefulness to be able to say, hey, 
let's take this money that we're using for contracts, let's bring them in-house so that we can effectively manage these projects. And that's the type of transparency that is so important to understanding this process. Absolutely. And I'm sure if we did anything incorrect on the county engineer's budget or FTEs, that uh, Engineer Dingman will be calling me probably within about an hour of listening to the podcast. Absolutely. Anything else on uh, this deep dive of the Lancaster County budget? Uh, stay tuned. We're gonna we'll be sharing publicly our uh, testimony that we we present next week, and then you know we're gonna continue to watch what's happening uh, related to that tax levy and what what's going to be set. We'll be here to uh, bring it all together, hopefully. And, yes, uh, we will. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.